0: Does Isaiah prophesy polygamy for the future of mankind or show support for it being God's will for his people? Let's get into it. Welcome to Teacher and Sign Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Hatton. So today we're going to look at Isaiah 4 verse 1. Um, I have seen this quoted by certain, I guess, fundamentalists or people who believe in polygamy as being something that is possibly the will of God or his desire for his people. And using this as evidence that uh, polygamy will return again one day, that this is part of God's plan. So let's take a look at Isaiah 4. i have got up on the screen here on Bible Gateway. Um, And the verse here that we're going to look at is in verse 1. It reads, And in that day seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. So I guess this is being interpreted as polygamy. And is it polygamy? And also, is this God's will? And also, what is the circumstance? So one of the things that I was taught by the Holy Spirit and also by men of God who I trusted over the years who had wisdom and understanding, is that that all scriptures must be taken in proper context. So just pulling a scripture out, a verse by itself, And using that as uh, evidence for a belief of yours is a very dangerous prospect. Um, You're going to want to always get uh, multiple scriptures. And all of those scriptures, read the verses around them and get the proper context. After all, what does God say uh, in all three of what was called the standard books in the RLDS church? We had the premise... Written in those books that God establishes his word and his truth in the mouth of multiple witnesses At least in two or three witnesses it says All right, so we need to get more than just one witness Also, we need to make sure we understand that witness If you were to walk into the room and a couple people are having a conversation And you miss the last 10 or 15 minutes of conversation And you just happen to hear the first thing when you walk in the room Uh, You can get the wrong impression or the wrong idea. Have you ever had that happen to you? I mean, it's the same way with the scriptures. So we need to get the whole conversation. Since this is verse 1 in chapter 4, we're going to back up a little bit. Something to keep in mind, in case you don't know this, I think most people do. But in the Bible, um, and also in the Book of Mormon, um, the original text didn't have chapters and verses. This is something that was put in there when... It was translated into English, uh, something for us to be able to, as a reference point. Uh, So there was no chapter four. Isaiah didn't end chapter three, and then new thought chapter four. Basically, people who translated the Bible originally uh, decided to break it up into various chapters, and maybe they tried their best to... Uh, if they thought it was a new thought, maybe this would be a good place to break it up. What you're going to find is that these early chapters of Isaiah and much of Isaiah are uh, thoughts that run through multiple, multiple chapters. And unless you read all of them, you're not getting the full context. You're not getting the full prophecy. You don't understand. So let's just back up here. So let's take a look. Chapter 3. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of 50. Now, what you're going to get here is right away, we are talking about a judgment that is being put down upon Jerusalem and upon Judah. So proper context here, historically speaking, this is something that was going to happen to Judah. Um, However, uh, the, the Holy Spirit has shown me over the years that the prophecies that are or were fulfilled already can sometimes find a second or third fulfillment and come to pass or as types and shadows for things to be in the future and so i'm not against that possibility uh not at all let's take a look at this Um, The reason why I'm doing this is not because I think I'm smarter than anybody else or that my wisdom is so great that I can tell you exactly what these scriptures mean. Uh, The reason why I'm going to share what I'm sharing today is because I had an experience with the Holy Spirit a couple years back, actually, about this verse we're going to talk about in chapter four, and I just want to share that with you. That's for you then to take to the Lord and to uh, search it out in your heart and get a, a confirmation of, okay? So as we're going down in chapter three here, you're going to see that uh, the people shall be oppressed, everyone by another, and every one by his neighbor, and the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. Now as we're getting into this, these are negative things, right? Not a positive thing. That's one of the first things that struck me many years ago when it was suggested that Isaiah 4.1 is showing that God is going to reinstitute polygamy. Um, What I am seeing here is that this is a list of negative things that are going to occur with his people. These are matters of judgment. But I do see parallels today. Okay. And so I see this is happening, that people are being oppressed one by another and even by neighbors, um, and the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, the base against the honorable. I'm seeing that take place in society today. And so I think we can definitely say or draw parallels here, right? And so is there another fulfillment of this in the future or with us yet to some degree perhaps? So let's continue on. And in that day shall he swear saying, I will not be a healer for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people for Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. So if that is the premise under which we have polygamy, the first thing I'm going to say is sounds like not a good thing, right? So anyway, Um, and continuing down here, they show of their countenance does witness against them and they declare their sin as Sodom, they hide it not. Woe unto their soul. Well, I see that today, don't you? For they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Say ye to the righteous that it will be well for him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Okay. But woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him. For the reward of his hand shall be given unto him. Now we're going to see a familiar pattern here in many prophecies with the prophets in the Bible. And that is that there are two theaters going on. Like the two theaters in the war in World War II. Okay, and one theater could be going good and one could be going bad. And so it's like Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. It was the worst of times. It was the best of times is the opening line of that book. And so, if you are a part of Zion, the New Jerusalem, you are part of the Bride of Christ, it is the best of times. These last days will be the best of times. And if you are among the wicked, if your father is Satan, it will be the worst of times. And so, you know, the last days, people talk about the doom and the gloom and the judgments and all the things will be happening, um, survivalist mentality. Um, I just want to tell you that... Uh, what God has said is we are not to worry about those things. All we need to worry about is being close to him. We need to draw close to him and follow him, okay, and he will take care of his own. I used to worry about these things, about storing up food, and, and uh, I didn't even have the ability to do it, and I knew that God's people were going to be in a lot of trouble. I knew what it took for us to survive off the grid. I actually lived it for two years and I found out it's basically impossible. You need to have a culture. You need to have a whole society of people helping one another, each doing their little part to survive something like that. We're not going to survive the collapse of the world system on our own. Just not going to, not very long anyway. God is going to have to have something in place for us to help us to survive. And he has, and he will and he has declared it. Okay. And when I was worrying about, um, survival, I had the Holy Spirit. And this was back in 2007, I think 2006, um, whispered to me and said, I have provisions, you know, not of. So it is the best of times. It is the worst of times, but you know, even if there is no food, what did God do when he brought the Israelites out of Egypt? And what will he do when he brings us out of Babylon? If he can feed the Israelites manna in the wilderness, he will surely feed his manna if we need to here. What we need to know is the Lord. We don't need to have money. We don't have to have provisions. We don't have to have extra food or extra clothing. What did Jesus say? Take no thought for tomorrow for these things. Take no thought for tomorrow what you shall eat or what you should wear. But what did he say? God, knowing you, the love that He has for you, He will take care of you, even as He takes care of the sparrows. So, not saying that if the Lord tells you to do something, to store something up, well, then do it. I mean, if the Lord's telling you to do it. If it's out of fear, if it's a fear response and you have anxiety about the future and you're storing up and you've got that survivalist mentality, and it's all about self-reliance you might want to question that because self-reliance is the opposite of what we will need in these last days it will be full dependence on god for everything all right let's continue here in isaiah as for my people children are their oppressors and women rule over them O my people they which lead thee cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy paths the lord standeth up to plead and standeth to judge the people The Lord will enter into judgment with the ancients of his people and the princes thereof. For you have eaten up my vineyard and spoil of the poor in your house. What mean you that you beat my people to pieces to grind the faces of the poor, saith the Lord God of hosts? This is speaking to Judah and Jerusalem and the daughters of Zion there. But also, this is something that is taking place again. And what is going to happen is judgment. As you notice here, the Lord is going to stand up and plead and standeth to judge the people. Okay? So, judging the people, what does that entail? What does it say about judgment? It says that judgment will start in my house, saith the Lord, right? First among those who have professed to to know me, professed my name, who have called themselves by my name, but they do not know him. And so that is taking place even now. There is a judgment in the house. We even see ministries that are falling. And so we need to be aware of that. Get right with the Lord. Repent of those things that we need to repent of. And come on to him. And there are many ministries out there that grind the faces of the poor. They are taking money from the poor, from widows, uh, so they can build these huge complexes these huge mega churches and those ministers themselves live lavishly and they have yachts and they have planes and they have multiple houses that are large mansions and yet they are telling widows and poor uh, on the tv set that if they will send in their their widow's might to them that they will be blessed by the lord and so they're robbing the poor And God is going to judge those. He's going to judge all these uh, secret sins and also these sins that are blatant and unrepented of and all this prosperity gospel nonsense and all kinds of things like that. I'm not the judge, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you who is going to be judged or how. I do know that there is a judgment coming. And so uh, we need to respect that and be aware of that and we need to be reflective inward of ourselves and not to point the finger at others but to look at ourselves and clean up our own homes clean up our own houses our own selves come to jesus and get clean by the blood of the lamb it's as simple as that we have to do it this is the time to do it don't delay don't delay your repentance all right and it says here, and in that day, the Lord will take away the bravery of their tingling ornaments about their feet and their calls and their round tires like the moon, the chains and the bracelets and the mufflers, the bonnets, the ornaments, you know, all this stuff, all this fancy dress and people, you know, strutting around like a peacock, I guess. Uh, so this is about being proud. And there's a judgment coming. It says that it shall come to pass that instead of a sweet smell, there shall be a stink okay and instead of a girdle a rent instead of a well-set hair baldness and instead of a stomacher girding a sackcloth and burning instead of beauty so this is what's going to happen and what we are experiencing here in chapter 3 of Isaiah and what we're reading about is the consequences of disobeying God the consequences of sin And those consequences come around even naturally. God doesn't even have to lift a finger. Ultimately, what you find out in the scriptures is that the wicked destroy the wicked. We destroy ourselves because of our sins. We bring things upon ourselves. God doesn't have to release a virus from a lab. Or do anything else to bring about the destruction of humanity, we will do it ourselves. In fact, it is God's hand that stays the destruction of humanity because we would easily destroy ourselves and would have long ago, but He has held it back and He has restrained it. And it is only by His grace that we are able to continue because of all these sins. So, getting back here on topic it says thy men shall fall by the sword and the mighty in war so there'll be a lot of war coming and her gates shall lament and mourn and she being desolate shall sit upon the ground now we're going to go to chapter four here but i don't believe this is where the chapter should have broke there were no chapters so that wasn't even something god did anyway this is something that man did so if you're reading this it's going to be natural to see that verse one in chapter four is actually the end of this thought right here we have judgment coming down all these things are happening okay and lastly what we're saying here is that men will fall by the sword there will be war so what do you got you got the loss of a lot of people right loss of men and her gates shall admit and mourn being desolate and verse one and in that day so in that same day seven women shall take hold of one man saying we will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach now first of all do we even understand what this verse is talking about without understanding the culture of the time or what this would mean Um, It's hard to imagine these days about women worrying about a reproach because they don't have some man's name, you know, so that is hard to imagine in modern times that that is a concern. And yet I'm going to tell you that I do believe we're going to see a fulfilling of this verse again. And that's where I need to share with you the experience that I had do with it what you will. Now, right at this point, we see a turn in the scriptures. We see first a judgment being poured out. And remember, the judgment first begins in the house of the Lord. Now we're going to see the results of that judgment. What is the point of judgment? God's angry, you get punished. Is that the point of judgment? No. So the point of judgment is to purify, especially when you're talking about the house of the Lord, to purify it, right? So what we're going to read now is a result of this purification that is going on. So verse 2, And in that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious. Now remember back in chapter 3, it said, Unto the wicked, woe to you, it will be bad, right? But unto the righteous say, it will be well with you, I will take care of you. So there's two different people we're talking about. Now we're talking about the godly. Okay, I believe verse 1 is a result of the sin and the arrogance and the pride and the sins and the grinding the faces of the poor that we end up with seven women taking hold of one man. And I'm sure this actually was fulfilled at some point in some way in Judah in ancient history. How will it be fulfilled again? Well, let's go on. And the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and calmly for them that are escaped of Israel. So these are the ones. These are the remnant. These are the true faithful that God has led out. Right? And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy. Why would they be holy? I mean, do it all these sins? Why? Because they've been purified. Um, there has been a judgment. And they shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem in the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment, and by the spirit of burning. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion, and upon her assemblies a cloud of smoke by day, and the shining of a flaming fire by night, For upon all the glory shall be a defense. And so what we're talking about here is the very presence of God in Zion with his people. And I don't know about you, but I'm very excited for that day to be in his presence, to feel his presence, to have a tangible presence of God and his angels among us. All right. So now let's talk about this. So we're going back to chapter three here. We have the judgment upon the wicked and all that is going on and the evils that they have conducted. And as we get into chapter four here, we see that we're turning a corner. And as a result of the judgments, we now have a purified Israel and her people are now being blessed as a result. So I believe the time that we are living in right now is the time of the judgment so what i would expect we will see and i believe you're already seeing it is a judgment poured out on the churches on the various denominations on church leadership and that people who are good righteous salt of the earth people who love god will begin to see these judgments and it will cause them to get free it will cause them to be set free and be delivered from the lies of those institutions delivered from the lies of those leaders And that they will come to Jesus and have a true, lasting, living relationship with Jesus Christ that will bring them life. And so that is where we're headed for. And so I'm getting excited about that because, yes, I do believe there's a latter day fulfillment of that. Now, what do we do with verse 1 here in chapter 4? Well, first of all, I'm going to say that if you read this and just take out the chapters and the verses and you're just reading it naturally, you will know just instinctively that this verse right here goes right at the end of three, really. It's just a whole list of things and calamities that are going on and the loss of men. And then you've got seven women clinging to one man. Okay. Then suddenly you have... Uh, What a beautiful time now it's going to be because that judgment is past, and now those who remain have been purified. If you want to say that verse 1 is sort of the in-between these two, I believe that works. Um, It works for me, um, especially knowing what I know now. So, I've never understood what this meant, other than I could see it was after a long list of all the bad things that are going to happen as a result of sin um and so i never did understand why people were celebrating that is oh yeah god's bringing back polygamy because he loves it so much i don't see any commandment from god here to practice polygamy i don't see any rejoicing about how good this is this is a result of sin This is a result of destruction that has happened and loss of life. This is the result of all those things that this is happening. This is not a list of great things like Jesus brought about this marvelous doctrine that we should all follow. And it has this great exalted purpose in our life. Not at all. This is just a result of of war as a result of disobedience to God. Okay. But. What with this verse, what does this mean? Does it have any implications for the last days? I didn't know, I'm not sure I cared. And yet I believe the Lord does because there are people who are trapped in ideas and in false notions. And so about two years ago, I got a word about this scripture. And that came when a brother of mine came to our congregation when was preaching And he was preaching out of the book of Revelation. And in that sermon, he was talking about John and his letters that he was writing to the seven churches. And that's when I had my experience. So let's go there. Okay, so here we are, uh, book of Revelation. And what we have is a letter from John uh, speaking the word of the Lord to the seven churches, which are in Asia. So John is acting as an apostle to these seven churches. He is acting as a minister of the Lord or a prophet that is sent to give a word from the Lord to these seven churches. My brother was doing a sermon about these letters, these words that he had received for each church. And if you go on and read in the book of Revelation, each of those churches received their own separate An independent word about things that they're doing well things that they're not doing so well that they need to repent of and change and basically is a love letter from the lord to these seven churches so he's doing this sermon and i'm sitting there listening to it and as he's talking about these seven churches that john wrote to suddenly my spirit is like carried away as i begin to hear the holy spirit speak to me in that moment and as my brother is speaking in the background i hear the lord actually quote verse 1 chapter 4 isaiah and this truly was not on my mind by any means like this was not even a thought or anything i was studying on or even asking about recently at all but suddenly i'm just hearing him read this scripture to me And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man. Okay. And I recognize it was that verse from Isaiah that I'd wondered about years ago and that I'd heard people justifying polygamy because of this verse. And when the Holy Spirit read that to me, suddenly my understanding was opened up and he was correlating these two things, these seven churches that John is writing to, These seven churches that John is being like a church father to a prophet. One who comes in the name of the Lord to share with them what they need to know. All right. What I saw and what I was seeing, what I was hearing and bringing into my understanding what the Spirit was doing was that there is a latter-day fulfilling of this prophecy, okay? And that what it is, is there are many, many, many churches out there. I think you know this. uh, Go to any town, any city, uh, even out in the country. They're just church after church. Okay. It's fairly apparent that the churches on earth today aren't living up to the, what we see in the scriptures when God says how we ought to live. When we read about the power of and the authority that the believers should walk in. Okay. We are not walking in the power of the disciples or in the power of Jesus Christ that we see in the New Testament or in the Book of Mormon. We're not, simply not, walking in that level of authority at this time. Okay. And what did Jesus tell his disciples? He said that a time would come when... Not only would you do the works that I do, but greater than those works, okay? And in the last days, God is saving the best wine for last. And the latter rains are greater than the former, and meaning that the things that are going to come to pass, the powers of heaven that will be poured out, the amount of authority that people will walk in, the miracles, the great power and deliverance over evil spirits and so forth and so on will be even greater than what we read in the New Testament, even greater than what we read in third Nephi and so forth. Okay. So that's what we have to look forward to. And how do we get there? Because we're not there right now. And how we get there is chapter three. Chapter three of Isaiah is the judgment being poured out. So it's being poured out on who his people It's being poured out on his house begins at his house. And if he spare not his own house, what will become of the rest of the world when judgment is poured out on it? But chapter three is not about judgment on the world. It is a judgment on his people. Okay. And so we need to be purged. We need to be purified so that we can begin to walk in those powers. So chapter three is all about that. God must purge us. What is left is a remnant a remnant who are adhering to the spirit of God and doing his will. All right. And so right here between these two things, the judgment being poured out, and then afterwards, a joyful, beautiful people, we see verse one. And how does this fit in? I was given immediately in that moment, an understanding that was profound. That is that in the last days, this verse will be fulfilled in this manner that even as john wrote to seven churches because that was the burden that the lord had put upon him i was shown that churches that the churches you see around your town and all that that they will discover something through this judgment period they will discover that they are bankrupt spiritually speaking yes not all are completely bankrupt Some have understanding and some have a measure of the spirit and many love Jesus. And yet they do not have full understanding. They are not walking in his ways and they are not receiving of the powers of heaven. They cannot at this point because of the many errors that goes for all of us, my brothers and sisters, every one of us, uh, Mormonism, no exception. In fact, we got a lot of stuff we got to get rid of and it's going to have to be purged from us. And God is going to do that because he loves us, okay? What I saw was that these churches, even the pastors and the ministers, the ones who are honest, okay? Not the the ones who must suffer the judgment and be taken out in their ministries, destroyed because they refuse to repent, because they grind the faces of the poor. Some of those people are not going to come through this. They are going to be measured with the wicked. But among those who are honest, the more honest of the ministers among them, the pastors and so forth. They will recognize in humility their own bankrupt nature. They will be humble and they will realize that they do not fully understand. Okay. And they'll understand they are missing something. But at the same time, as we see these judgments going on, there will also arise what Michael Ficus has called the Holy Ones. And what they are is righteous servants of God. I'm not looking for one single righteous servant or one prophet to come and fix everything. Um, If you're looking for that, you're also looking for deception. God will choose who he will. And, you know, we know that there's one about a righteous seer in the Book of Mormon that who I understand to be the seed of Joseph, Lehi's youngest son. And so this was a seer among the Lamanites. Because it says not only to bring forth the word of God to his people, the seed of Lehi, but also to the convincing of them of that word. Even the word that has gone out before that person came along. And uh, Joseph Smith didn't do that. So I do believe there is a Lamanite prophet, so to speak, uh, a prophet among Native Americans. But... That isn't our concern. He's not coming to set the LDS church in order. And he's not coming to set the RLDS church in order. He's not coming to set the Gentiles in order. He is going to do a work for his own brethren, it says. Okay, now this work will also benefit us. But what we need to do is get with the spirit of God and repent. That is the job of the Gentiles. And if we will repent, we'll be numbered among the house of Israel. We will be numbered among the seed of Lehi, and we will get to assist in the building of the new Jerusalem. But until we repent and come to the Lord fully, we can't be a part of that. And so first, there must be this purging and coming unto the Lord and having this rebirth. We need to become a new creature in Christ. We need to, even as Alma has said, be spiritually born of God, a new creature in God, the old man of sin being dead, dead to self, being Christ alive in us. It is not I, but Christ in me that liveth. If we cannot say that, if we're still living, if we're still struggling to stay alive ourselves and do the things we want to do, we're not there yet, okay? So we need Jesus. So let's take a look again. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, okay? Now, they're going to take care of their own clothes and their 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 own food they're not looking for someone to take care of them like a husband takes care of a wife i mean that's what you would do if this were polygamy but that's not it let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach what is the reproach what i was shown is that the reproach is that they don't truly know christ not as he is they don't know how the ways of Christ or how to do that. They don't know how to get to that point. They have their false traditions and doctrines that are holding them back. And again, I'm speaking of all the churches, including our own churches. And so they need help. All right. But Lord is now raising up righteous servants. And I believe there are many. I don't know how many there are. There could be thousands. Okay. That are like the apostles of old that will be risen up. But even though there's gonna be numerous servants of God who rise up in holiness and righteousness and walk in the powers of heaven, yet in comparison to the number of people seeking to know the Lord, in comparison to the number of churches out there that are currently bankrupt, spiritually speaking, that are just faking it until they make it, that aren't really there, that there aren't very many of them. They are few in comparison. What I saw in that instant when God was quoting from this verse, what I saw was churches, entire churches and pastors approaching these men of holiness that were in their cities and begging them to come, begging them to come and preach or to teach or to share with them or to impart the spirit among them in some way to help them get off the ground, so to speak, and to be able to spread their wings and fly because they lack understanding. And these men are not anxious at all or desirous to get any glory. Uh, It would be far from them to desire any glory or to be called a leader or to have people look at them as leaders. They will be true leaders in the sense that they are true followers and disciples of Christ. Okay. And they are very humble and they will only point to Christ. They will not point to themselves. They won't set themselves up as the person that everyone must come to. And yet, because of that, it will be as if there will be like seven churches. It could be even more. This is just symbolic. Okay. Could be less, could be more, but numerous churches, maybe every church in entire city is clinging to one of these servants, clinging, hold them, trying to take hold of one man. And say, look, you don't need to worry about us taking care of ourselves in the earthly sense. But we have a certain reproach. And that reproach is we don't really know Jesus. You know Jesus. It's obvious that you know Jesus. You have been in his presence. We want what would you have. Please show us how to have what you have. Okay. And that is how this verse will be fulfilled again in these last days. That is what I saw. You don't have to take my word for it. And I'm not going to try to convince you of it. I'm just sharing you the experience that I had. Okay? So you can go and pray about that. But notice that in this time, after this judgment, after this pouring out of the repercussions, after ministries have fallen, when we find out that ministers have committed all these various sins and they are fallen away, and churches are collapsing around us and all these things that are going on. And yet the people of the Lord will become beautiful. They will become beautiful as they realize not to rely or trust in the arm of man, to not trust in men, not trust these pastors, but put their trust in God only. They're seeking him only, okay? And they see these righteous ministers and they're asking for help. And so these men will probably have to help, like they're going to have to teach they will they will share the things of the Lord, they will minister among us, even as the servants of God, but everything that they will do will be to glorify God alone, and not they themselves. They will not set themselves up as the persons we must go to day to day, but they will be establishing how we ourselves come into that same relationship that they have with the Lord. That will be their purpose. And in that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and calmly. Okay, this is what will happen when the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion. They've realized their sins. they realized their inadequacies. They realize that they were spiritually bereft, that they were impoverished, that they needed the Lord, okay? And he has purged Jerusalem. He will purge even that churches. He will purge even those churches that are on the land of the new Jerusalem. And it will be by his spirit and we will come into his presence. And then what will be left? The very presence of God here in our midst, what we call the new Jerusalem, what John called the new Jerusalem in the book of Revelation, and what the book of Mormon calls the new Jerusalem. That Lord will establish again, and we will be with Jesus and His angels ministering, and the filth of the daughters of Zion have been washed away. What a beautiful day! So this is the experience that I had. Was, again, I think that was about two years ago. Go to the Lord, pray about it, um, ask Him about this verse for yourself. Okay. And if you aren't set on wanting this to mean something in particular to you, and you just listen to him, and seek out understanding, he will give it to you. In any case, uh, if I haven't completely offended you by now, uh, please join us next time. And until then, God bless.